Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides Coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I am your host, John Mark Raspberry, still a uh, current strength coach looking for a spot to land. I have on today Kendall Green, Coach Kendall Green. So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself and give a, the whole synopsis behind him. Oh, I appreciate you, John Mark, for having me on today. It's an awesome opportunity. I love the, love the channel, love the the podcast love all your social media stuff um so grateful to be on here so yeah i'm a uh, coach kendall green uh based out of i'm, I'm from Toledo, virginia uh which is right outside of williamsburg virginia the uh colonial capital of the world uh but my facility my private uh private facility is right here in williamsburg green roots performance and wellness um and yeah i, I do athletic performance strength conditioning um train adults as well obviously to to run the business uh but just general fitness uh primarily i work with athletes doing strength and conditioning um uh in the past i've coached football uh coached track for four years so i've done a little bit of everything helped out with baseball volleyball all that type of stuff so i try to you know get my hands in as many areas as possible just to be as well versed as i possibly can awesome kendall 
So um, give us a little bit more background about yourself. Uh, where you come from? Where, where, why go into strength and conditioning? Why the private facility? Why not stay in high school? Why not go to the uh, collegiate realms? You know, all that yeah, good, wonderful yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I graduated. I went to Avery University, uh, which is a, a Division three school in Danville, Virginia, played football. Um, and I didn't I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to to work with athletes. So I guess to, to back up a little bit, uh, my senior year, I knew I was going to college to play football. Um, and I actually had a cousin, two cousins, actually, one of them owned the business, one of them worked there, uh, that that offered personal training services and once more one specialized more so in athletic development. Uh who he also trained another one of my cousins. Um, but I, I worked with him my basically the entire second semester into the summer of my senior year in high school, um, just preparing myself for, for college. And I, I thought, you know, this is, I didn't really have an idea in high school what I wanted to do. Um, but after going through that process with him, I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. This is what I like to do. I like sports. I like uh, training to some degree. I like, like being around other athletes, other like-minded uh, competitive individuals. So, you know, that's kind of the the way I went with it. And so when I got to college, actually my first major, when I declared my major my freshman year, which I probably, it didn't matter, but um, actually started in sports management uh, my freshman year of my declared major. And I realized how boring that was. No offense to anybody that majored in sports management. Uh, you know, those people are definitely necessary in the grand scheme of things as well. But it wasn't for me. Uh, so I changed my major my sophomore year to uh, physical education with a concentration in personal training. Um, and the reason I went with the personal training uh, concentration was because at the time uh, they didn't really have any other major. They had a uh, physical education, um, just general phys ed. Then they had a uh, concentration in coaching and a concentration in something else i don't remember what it was so i went personal training i knew i wanted to be in the gym setting to some degree so i figured personal training was the closest now they have you know kinesiology and all this other stuff um so i went with that route and then i didn't really know at the time what strength and conditioning was per se uh on, on the football team we had our own strength and conditioning coach who was also a position coach being a smaller division three school um so he was a ga he was a uh, running back coach. He was the strength and conditioning coach. He had a number of jobs. Um, and so now I kind of realized that, um, or then I should say, uh, I kind of realized what strength and conditioning was, but I didn't really know how many avenues there were in the field uh, to, to do strength and conditioning. Uh, but eventually I figured it out once I graduated, kind of. Uh, and so graduated in 2014. Um, well, I walked across the stage in 2014, I should say. There was a little more work I had to do. But regardless, graduated. Um, and I started my business in January of 2015 um, at my parents' house. I started training in their basement like many people do. I uh, started training people in their basement. Um, my uncle was actually my first client. Um, and then moved out a few months later into a little shed that was a little bit bigger than my office. Um, and just trained people there for about a year and a half, two years, and then moved to the facility I'm at now. Uh, but started my business in January of 2015. And two months after that, in March, I actually started working at a local high school. Uh, I came on as a volunteer, doing some strength conditioning for the football team. And then that eventually over the summer turned into an assistant football coaching position, still doing strength and conditioning. 
Uh, and then following that football season of 2015, 2015 uh, I got asked to, to join the track team as a sprint coach. Uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, more opportunity to work with athletes, more money. You know, that doesn't help right out. That doesn't not help right out of college. Uh, so, yeah, I took that on. I was assistant coach working with sprinters for two years. Uh, then eventually that evolved into the head track uh, position for two years. Um, still coached football throughout this entire time. Still was doing strength and conditioning for football and uh, track. Uh, but also, like I said earlier, working with baseball on the side, uh, consulted with the volleyball um, a little bit here and there. And then still also through all of this, still working at my private facility. So, you know, a lot going on, which, you know, I feel like as, as a younger coach, that's what I should have been doing, trying to, I don't want to say spread myself thin, you know, but to to get get my hands as many things as possible while I had the energy, you know what I mean? Um, so stopped coaching track after four years and then uh, still coaching football. And so the essentially COVID year, uh, 2020, in Virginia, we didn't have uh, fall sports in 2020 because uh, the kids were out of school. They were everything was online, and so they decided in Virginia that we would play all the fall sport. Well, they played winter sports, um, normal kind of, and then fall sports we played in the spring, which was not the greatest idea. Um, and so that was actually it was some is a much deeper story but for the grand scheme for, for the for the uh time that we have here uh I, it was my last season coaching um there were some opportunities presented to me in that sector in the public sector at the school um that i was looking for uh but for one reason or another didn't work out and i felt that was a great time for me to fully focus on growing my business and my training here that i do uh at my facility um and kind of reach other schools because obviously it's in, in some respects it's a conflict of interest if i'm coaching at one school training at my own facility trying to coach at other schools as well so it's a lot of you know politics for the lack of a better term that i didn't really want to have to deal with or or be presented with um so I just took the took the show on the road for myself fully um and after college i really only had really only took one a uh, job interview at a local commercial gym that was just opening. Um, and I didn't take the job. I didn't really appreciate how they were uh, talking to me because uh, it was a personal training gig. Um, and at the time I had my USAW, I got that the summer before my senior year in college, USAW plus my bachelor's degree, which I would imagine none of those people had, which again is fine. <laughs> but um you know the way they kind of said well you know i guess if you have your degree plus the certification i guess i could because i didn't have a personal certification um so i guess the four years of four and a half years of college meant nothing to them essentially um so i turned that interview down or turned that job position down and just started to start the business here in 2015 and been rocking with it ever since um and, and growing and learning and making plenty of mistakes uh, but but still here to, you know, continue to, to to spread the good word. So that's, I guess, the longer version of my story, my background. Man, Kendall, so there's a couple of things that I want to highlight there. Uh, we have a lot more in common than 
you know, the more meets the eye, man. I played Division Three football too. You know, I, okay. You know, you play for the love of the game. You don't play because you're yeah. on scholarship. You don't play because of anything else, man. You play because yeah. you love, love the, the game, game of football. Absolutely. And absolutely. you, uh, and you gotta rely on uh, academics too a lot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. More so than than others, but yeah, it was definitely love the game. Where'd you, uh, where'd you play? Eureka College, Division Three okay. school up in Illinois. Yeah, okay, okay, I've heard of that. Cool, about cool, 500, cool. about 500 students. <laughs> Slim pickings, man. Yes, um, yes, but sir. also coaching and uh, coaching football and coaching track as well. Uh, yeah. You know, I've coached football. This is going to my fifth year coaching football, and I have one year of a, a head track coach position. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I get, man, those track meets are long, man. The football yeah. games, you know, you travel wide and far and – you get home yeah. at like twelve, and you gotta go back to work, or you gotta go, you know, to the gym the next day. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's a, a it's grind. It's a, lot. it's a lot for sure, for sure. So definitely full respect and, and salute to all the all the good high school and middle school, whatever level coaches. You know, that's a it's a whole logistical and personnel and all that type of stuff. It's a lot of a lot of work that people don't see behind all that. So definitely salute to you and and everyone else that does it. Salute to us, man. I mean, dude, you did it too. So um, <laughs> let's go ahead and actually jump into like the meat and potatoes of this episode. So yeah. uh, we chat a, lo- a little bit about this before we start recording, and I wanted to get an idea of what you wanted to talk about. And that's that's kind of the beauty of this podcast. You know, I'm not one to tell people this is what I want you to talk about. I want you to come in and be able to talk about what you want to talk about. So this episode is very special in the sense of it gets into a topic that's a little bit with strength and conditioning, but it's also talking about some issues, or not, I shouldn't say issues, topics that are in present in the sport performance world. And one of them is professional uh, cannibalism. So yeah. Kendall, give us your takes, give us your thoughts and everything on that on that topic there. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so kind of the the thought of this topic came to mind uh, from reading a few years ago, actually, uh, and reread it, just reread it uh, more recently, just to kind of refresh myself. And when it put an article by Brett Bartholomew, um, that was essentially named the, the same title, professional cannibalism. Um, and how in our, we see it, you see it on Twitter all the time. Now, so that's, that's kind of the, the common meeting grounds of strength and conditioning coaches, more or less. Uh, on Twitter, and we we see it all the time where, uh, especially, you know, younger coaches uh, are are almost put down to to a degree because, you know, they don't have certain expertise in the area that somebody believes you should. They don't have, which we'll talk about later, they don't have certain credentials. Um, They don't have, you know, certain experiences in the field so they're treated as less valuable um and you know that's not really we we talk all the time on social media and and other other arenas about how we're we're supposed to be pushing the field forward um and and part of that is treating all of the the individuals that are within the field regardless of rank regardless of experience uh regardless of credentials um should be treating everyone as an as an important part of that that system um and so when when uh, in the article um 
you know, when, when we use words and have conversations, um, I always think about, and, and I've, I've done a bad job of it in the past and I've tried to do a lot better uh, with it now more recently one by not being on social media as much, uh, but also being more conscious of the words I'm using. Um, and, and now when I do construct a tweet or whatever, I really take a lot of time to make sure the message is exactly as I wanted to say. So that, and obviously somebody's going to perceive it how they want to, regardless of how well I word it, but you know, just just thinking to myself is this is what I'm going to say. One is it necessary for me to say, right? Uh, is is would the situation change or would it be thought of any differently if I do or don't say whatever it is I'm going to say? But also, you know, am I helping or hurting whatever the situation is? Am I adding fuel to the fire? Um, stuff like that, and and so then we get into this idea, uh, the, or the idea that I have. Um, about you know healthy discourse versus disrespect and and you know debate is healthy discourse is healthy as far as moving the profession forward as far as as helping others grow as far as uh sharing other perspectives um but you know discourse there's a very thin line between discourse and disrespect and when people you know try to you know get on the high horse, so to speak, because they have X experience, they have Y credentials, they have all this vast knowledge of whatever they read, you know, they know everything about everything. Um, they have a, an answer for everything. They have an opinion for everything. Um, that's when things, I think, get chippy and that's what makes the profession look bad. Uh, I, I do believe discourse, and I've said it before, discourse is is very healthy um, as far as improving the actuality of what it is that we do, because it does share those different perspectives and those different experiences. But when the those experiences and those uh, perspectives are then turned into, you know, greater than or less than, that's when we get into real trouble. And so when we talk about especially for strength and conditioning um the vast majority of strength and conditioning coaches work with younger athletes right because there, there are only so many positions in you know college athletics and professional athletics um and so with that you know we always talk about how what we do is to create adaptations regardless of who we're working with and so the the issue that i really have started to look at now is and kind of like like what you're trying to do here uh looking beyond the x's and o's looking beyond the the sets and reps of what it is that we do and looking at more of the the intangible things that we can have an effect on and trying to create more purposeful change and adaptation in the people that we serve and work with um and so when we talk about adaptation for the athletes, we also have to realize that that adaptation is a two-way mirror, right? Or, or a mirror, I should just say. Adaptation is a mirror, right? So we're looking at what it is that we're trying to change with the things that we understand about the, the system we're utilizing. But we also realize that we ourselves at some point should be consciously trying to adapt as well, right? We can't, you know, I, I was talking with somebody else uh, uh, 
a few weeks ago and I was talking about or we were talking about how, you know, if you don't every once in a while go back to look at an old program you wrote, you're not serving it. Like, obviously, we know, you know, in our in our in the back of our mind, we know that we've grown over the years, over weeks and months or whatever, over seasons. Um, but if we don't go back and actually look at it and understand, it's like it's like going back to read a book that you've already read before. Right. It might mean something completely different now than it did when you read it the first time. So if you if you go back and look at an old program that you wrote and obviously it's going to hurt a little bit. Right. If you look at something like what was I possibly thinking at this time? Why would I do this? All that. Uh, but realizing that, you know, one, you can appreciate the growth a little bit more seeing that. Right. And then, two, you can kind of objectively uh quantify and qualify the changes you've made you know both uh scientifically for the lack of a better term as well as personally right a lot of the things that we do programming wise for strength and conditioning and we might not want to admit it but i do believe that a lot of the choices that we make are emotionally driven right a lot of it is is personality right because it's something that we um we we vibe with for the lack of a better term uh you can go on the internet at any given moment and research something that fits your your perspective at any given moment right there regardless of research regardless of all the studies that have been done you can find anything that fits your personal bias right it's just a matter of you know how far off of the the beaten path or how far off of you know, what you actually understand and know principle-wise is that going, right? So for me, the professional cannibalism is the real, it's, it's a, as they say, the, the call's coming from inside the house, right? So when we look at how uh, employers treat us about how, you know, athletes look at what, what it is we do, how the media perceives what it is we do. Um, and, and I remember it was a, probably like, Three or four years ago, uh, Desmond Howard, they were on college game day and some some conversation that came up about uh, strength and conditioning coaches and how unimportant they are because they're the guys that assign push ups, something to that effect. And so when we have this this uh, this discourse versus disrespect uh, back and forth, uh, so to speak. You know, we're not the, in, in the article that Brett uh, wrote about, it, you know, we're not the only ones that see the issue. Right. So when we think about uh, and, and a lot of times we see these postings online about job openings and how low the pay is. If we don't value ourselves internally, why would somebody outside value us? Right. So, so you know, again, the call is coming from inside the house. It's a problem that we have to fix internally before we look elsewhere. You know, because obviously higher paying jobs require higher quality coaches, require higher quality standards for coaches. And so if we don't have the standard ourselves and we're really the only one, not the only one, we're the ones that truly understand what it is we provide to uh, athletes and other sport organizations. We're the ones that truly understand that we have to take account and, and you know, fix our ourselves first right that that mirror adaptation we have to fix ourselves and grow before we expect people to treat us 
like we've grown. Obviously, it's getting better, right? But at the same time, there are, you know, those $20,000 assistant positions where you have to train 50 teams. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's a it's a fine line, and obviously it'll never be perfect. I don't think any any industry is professionally, but for the improvement to happen, we have to you know be accountable ourselves first, person to person, right? So you know, again, I've said it before, but uh, if we know there is value being provided. If there if there is some value we can provide or somebody someone else provides, but on the other side, you know, they're not a great person, is how valuable is that information? You know what I mean? Um, you know, you could just <laughs> you just Google it, right? Google regular Google or Google Scholar, which is superior, obviously, in terms of, you know, the the scientific aspects and the research and all that type of stuff. But uh, the point remains, you know, if if it's value that we're trying to provide, we first have to act like valuable people. You know what I mean? You have to dress for the job you want, not the job you have. So if we, you know, <laughs> this is coming from the guy who wears sweatpants to work every day, like many of us do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have to have to provide, you know, and that this is not to say that being yourself, right, or or extracting your personality from the job is necessary to show value. It's just saying that we have to be good people, right? We have to show that we are more valuable outside of, and that's why the the whole AI thing is interesting because if AI can provide what we're doing better, we have to do something a little extra, which would be our personality. It has to be our, our character as people uh, that kind of supersedes what it is technology can do. Right. So coaching. Right. That's the the art and the science of it. The the science is the X's and O's. The art is the cues, the personality, the the individualism, the care, even uh, the empathy that we can provide that other things can't. And so, you know, that's my whole kind of long winded spiel on professional cannibalism. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there, Kendall. And I, I, no, you're good, man. I love when we have this much information and we can just kind of kind of piece it, kind of piece it together. All right, so let's talk about the like the discourse part of it because when I got first into strength and conditioning Twitter, right, it was just back and forth. It was all over the place, and, and you know, as a young coach looking at that, I'm like. Man, this this is really, you know, I'm I'm just looking back and forth. I'm like, wow, this is, this is a lot at once. Um, But here's the thing about this: when there is healthy discourse, and some of the best people that I've came in contact with are people that I don't agree with. But just because you don't agree with someone's idea doesn't make them a bad person, right? That's when it comes down to the personality, the actual person itself. It's like your ideas may be a little bit, you know, what mine or not, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily wrong. It's just different. And I don't agree with it, but you're not a bad person because of it. And the people that I run with, right, my my little circle of strength and conditioning, I, I tell them, man, I'm a straight shooter. I want you to be a straight shooter with me. If my program sucks, I want you to tell me that it sucks. But I want yeah. you to tell me why it sucks, too. 
No, I just don't want to say, oh, it looks good, and then my athletes get crap, right? right? So I want them to actually tell me, you know, Jamar, you need to change this up, man. This sucks. Like, this right here, this is too much. This is too much volume. I don't know why you're putting three sets of 15 on back squat. You know, just stuff like that, you know? Like, you know, not that I do that. You know, don't come at me for that. But, I mean, you know, I want people to be a straight shooter with me. And I I think that's where we want that – this, you know, debates and discussions to be where, yes, you're being a straight shooter, but you're you're not on that other side of the fence. You're not on the disrespectful yeah. side where you're saying, well, your mom is ugly, your kid's ugly, you know, and you start going personal with it, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. and I, I think we're so emotionally driven that it gets Absolutely. to that point, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. I, I think that, like like you said, you know, it, it's, a, it's a wording thing um, for sure. You know, as opposed to saying like, hey, I wouldn't do it this way. Here's why it turns into, you know, this one research article I found says that doing it this way is wrong. You're a bad coach. Right. You're you have no idea what you're doing. You're going to make your athletes worse. That's when it turns or starts to turn into the disrespect where you lose the actual purpose of the conversation from the beginning. Um, and again, I've been guilty of it before. I've fallen into the trap because uh, I, I do have the tendency to be uh, petty, if you will. But for the most part, I try to, you know, stay in my lane as far as what it is I know, uh, the why of why I do things. If somebody pre- presents me with information um, that says, you know, try it this way, Maybe uh, maybe look at this research article. Tell me what you think when and, and it's and that's that's why I promote the book. Um, I've just lost the thought. Uh, How to win friends and influence people. That's probably like if I could recommend any book to any person for any anything at all, it would be that book specifically, just because it it shows you how to to work with people better and how to get them on your side or how to get. Uh, or how to get on their side, how to how to win them over. Um, and so that book, you know, essentially is saying, you know, how you word things with people, how you interact with them, um, how you kind of, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say manipulate, but to some degree, it is, it is a bit of on both ends, really. Um, you know, you have to manipulate your message so it can be, like I said earlier, perceived in the way that you actually want to perceive. I don't, I don't, I have a hard time believing that the vast majority of people want to be assholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think most people are genuinely good people, more or less, right? It might be, you know, you're, you're in Tennessee, I'm in Virginia. It might be a, a, a dialect thing. It might be a, a tonation thing, something like that, where there, there are slight differences. But I think at, at the core of most people, we all just want to be understood, essentially, right? We want to show our perspective on, on strength coach Twitter. We want to show our perspective, why we do things, share the things we do with our athletes. Some people aren't going to agree with it. Some people aren't going to understand it. But if we can word it in a way that gets our message across and be willing to accept, you know, criticism, feedback is a better term, uh, except feedback on, on why somebody else may do something either completely different or, you know, different enough where it's still in that same realm, right? We can have 
more growth as opposed to just being like, hey, you're wrong. Because as soon as you tell somebody, you know, specifically, you know, you're wrong, this says that, this says don't do whatever. That's when people get defensive. That's when the, you know, that's when we shut our ears essentially, right? Um, so I think that, you know, like you said, the the discourse has to be healthy or it's not discourse at all. I also think as well, and I think I was thinking about this while you were sitting there talking too, that you know a lot of this is also public too, right? It's it's out in the open for everybody to see, not just strength and uh, strength conditioning Twitter, but yeah. employers, yeah. friends, family, head football coaches, head whatever sport coaches, they're seeing you know so and so strength coach and so and so strength coach go at it, you know, back and forth. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Here, a couple of things on this topic. One is, I think if you just went and privately messaged that coach, none of this would have been even an issue. Absolutely. On the second end of that as well, I think I'll say 90, 95% of the conversations that are public that people are having back and forth, left and right, you know, just out in the open on Twitter or any social media for that matter, they probably have more in common than what we think. You know, Absolutely. if they sat down and you know, just talked, you know, just not even like, uh, you know, they talk about like, let's talk about strength, you know, right. We can agree that, you know, within a certain rep range, you know, bench press is always, there's always going to be press. There's going to be a pull. There's going to be whatever, you know, yeah. I think yeah. at the core of everything, and you mentioned it too, we have a lot more in common professionally than yeah. what we want to put out to think. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I, I guess that's the the law of averages. Essentially, you know, they're they're regardless of uh, as as how differently we seem, you know, that there is some because we're, we're all it's only I tell people this all the time. It's only so many things a human body can do, right? As far as movement, as far as you know, what it's able to handle. Those there aren't that many anomalies among us and and the same goes coach to coach like we're all generally the same we all come from the same kind of general school of thought um sure there are some differences as far as application but the very base of what it is that we're doing is similar enough that we can and, and should be able to find common ground in it absolutely man now let's kind of shift this to the credential side of yes. this discussion because you know i've had lots of conversations about this credentialism the last three years yeah. um you know we talked about uh, I, I mean i've had i've done many certifications and tried to you know further myself to be a qualified and certified strength and conditioning coach now the question lies of what does that look like so i want to ask you first what does that look like to you yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess to preface this, um, I am not by any means saying credentials are important. I want to start because whoever listens to this is going to probably think like, oh, this guy, they like any Joe Blow can look up. No, that's not what I'm saying. Like credentials are important. Testing is important. All that stuff. Right. And so it's so like I said earlier, uh, before we started, um, you know, your your tweets about the CSCS uh, and that journey kind of prompted this thought uh, to have this conversation. So it's, you're the perfect person, I think, to talk to about this. And so so credentialism to me is 
kind of going back to the the cannibalism, the professional cannibalism, where it's a, a superiority conflict to some degree, um, whether it be personally or or uh, from an employment standpoint, I guess. But you know, again, the testing is important. Uh, going back to how how we test our athletes, right? Testing to gauge the effectiveness the effectiveness of our training. Uh, we're trying to gauge their readiness um, and their abilities, essentially. Have they improved? Have they, you know, stayed the same? Have they hit a plateau? Have they decreased their abilities? Testing for us is the same. The credential uh, chase, so to speak, is is a is a vital a vital part of what it is that we do. Uh, but I think because the overarching health and fitness industry is so polluted with so many variations of the same thing uh we can get lost in what it is that we're actually trying to prove with the credentials now obviously for professional uh collegiate at some level division one i think division two um there are certain credentials that are non-negotiables completely get that understand Fully. And it should be that way. I think there should be one, um, maybe two, depending on where you are, whatever, what you're doing, uh, and what set you are. There should be, you know, there should be a very solid line of what it is that says this person is qualified. Right. And that's that's where I see this conversation all the time. I've seen you have this conversation as well. You know, what is what is a qualified strength and conditioning coach? And so without a Without a governing body, without a, a a set standard, you know, that's completely recognized across the board uh, by both, you know, people in the field as well as people uh, who who hire, right? It should be a non-negotiable. Obviously, the the NSCA um, is kind of the godfather of strength and conditioning, right? This is a known fact for essentially all strength and conditioning coaches for a good amount of employers. I don't want to say all or most even, um, but it is kind of this push going in that direction. Get it completely. Um, but I think where we get into trouble is when, and again, going back to the professional cannibalism, when we act like, because and I would venture to say that you may have experienced this yourself uh, when people are looked down upon because they didn't, pass said test regardless of what test it is right um and i think that you know just like again with our athletes if they fail the test does that mean they're a bad athlete right does that mean the the preparation that led up to them testing is that evidence of them not being ready or capable to handle what comes next maybe yes maybe no Right. But without the tests, we for sure wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Until they were presented with that that opportunity to prove themselves essentially. Um so I do think there there should be credentials attached to qualification, but there should also be some some, you know, experience and exposure. I think keeping people out of certain positions because they don't have certain credentials is dangerous because credentials, especially 
paper tests or I guess online tests, um, they're they're very I don't want to say fickle, but they're they're not a true show of who's capable of doing the job they're testing for. You know what I mean? The the job that we do, very few of us, the job that we do is taking place in a textbook, on a piece of paper, uh, on the computer, right? We're in front of people. Um, so that's, that's what I think the CSCCA, CSCC, all the letters, right? You know what I'm talking about. Um, I think that portion of it where you have to be in front of people, you have to get uh, hours on the floor doing the actual job. I think that has to be a part of what it is that qualifies us for being a good coach, right? I've seen people, I think even attached to some of your tweets about the CSCS that have said, I took the test without studying a, a lick, took the test, passed it on the first try. Now I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist. What does that mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, okay, you passed the test. All right. But are you actually good at what you do? Um, and so, you know, there, there are those that I've met personally, same situation, passed the test on the first try, barely studied, um, and they just have a bunch of money to throw at their own facility. And now they're the best coach in the area because they've been, you know, allotted certain privileges, essentially. Right. I know for myself, I took the CSCS three years ago, four years ago now. Um and so I failed the first part, the um, exercise science portion, failed that, haven't taken the sense, not because I don't want it, right? It's just, one, it's not cheap. And I'm only my own facility. I don't really have the time to put towards studying for it, to dedicate to that. Because it is, it is it's, a, it's a hard test. Um, it takes time to prepare for it. And I don't want to just pass. You know what I mean? I, I've seen people... Uh, or heard spoken to people that have said, yeah, I failed it by two or three questions. Cool. You get two or three questions. That's what, a 72 or something like that? Like, yeah, you passed. I don't want to just pass, right? And this is me speaking for myself. I don't want to just pass. And if that's if that's all you want to do is just pass, completely fine. You get the good credentials. Um, you can continue learning, right? Continue learning and then grow. So then your just pass turns into, you know, being exceptional and that's totally fine but for me i want to actually dedicate the time to studying for this thing so i can do the absolute best and show mostly myself that i am qualified right in this regard um and so there's a lot of i know i just said a lot again sorry <laughs> you're good brother <laughs> i uh I, I do think you know again the, the credentials are super important, right? You wouldn't go to the doctor's office and they didn't have the MD. Maybe you will. I don't, I don't know. But uh, you, you want to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward. You are, and, and the, the whole, to kind of go off on a tangent, the whole, whole uh, the test shows that you have the baseline knowledge to be in the field. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think they're, I think showing that you have the baseline of knowledge is, you know, writing a program. Um, if, if there's no proving, if you, you know, 
anybody could know what's in the textbook. That doesn't mean they're prepared to apply what is in the textbook. And and a lot of, again, health and fitness, because there are so many different variations of strength and conditioning credentials, fitness credentials in general, um, you know, that goes back to our value. Um, and so I think because we put so much, not all of us, but for to talk about the, the collective, because we put so much emphasis on certain things that are very nitpicky things, um, you know, because we put so much emphasis and so much importance on them, we miss out on so much of the real stuff that's happening or should be happening. And and I think often when I see these comments about how, you know, you have to have the uh, master's degree, CSES, all this other experience, right, to be in certain positions. If these credentials were really as valuable as we say they are, would injury rates still be increasing? in athletes would deaths still be happening and or increasing in athletes with all of these horrible things that could probably be mitigated at worst right would all these things still be happening if we are getting smarter in the field and uh and the test is being updated however uh annual if the texts are being improved, this research is improving off, why are injuries going up? Why are sport deaths still a thing? Right. Obviously that you can't control everything in regards to injury and death, but is the the probability of should it be as high and increasing as it is if the credentials that we put so much emphasis on are as solid as we say? So that's that's that for now. <laughs> so again, no, you're good, man. I, I, again, I love having just big parts of information, and then we get to just dissect it, you know, man. Yeah. And yeah. coming from someone that has taken this test plenty full times, six to be exact. Okay. Mm. Uh, I mean, the last three years, I've been off and on with this thing. You know, I've had experience in the weight room. I've coached in the weight room. I've read the essentials textbook front and backwards. I've had my USAW. Uh, I took Mike Boyle's certified functional strength coaching certification. Uh, I've done the RPR stuff. I've done, you know, a lot of stuff in a short amount of those three years that led up to, you know, eventually passing the CSCS. Now, here's the thing. Most coaches are already strength coaches before you even walk in to be, you know, to go in and take this CSCS exam. Here's the reason why I even took it. Okay, two reasons. One is because of pride, right? I, I wasn't going to let a test just say, oh, you're not a strength coach because you're not a CSCS. Okay, I, it was a prideful thing inside myself, and maybe it was a little bit selfish. I'll admit it, you know, maybe it was a little selfish. But, you know, I wanted that credential under my belt. Because I don't want to go, and here's the second reason why. If I go in and apply for a job, and this just happened like a couple weeks ago, I got reached out to be a coordinator of, uh, director of strength conditioning somewhere. And in the, uh, in the, the qualifications, it just say CSCS. You got to have it. It's required. Well, I don't want to put in my resume 
with three years of experience in the weight room or two years, one year, all the data that says that, you know, I am a, this, my program is effective. What I do in the weight room is effective. Here's the speed charts. Here's all the, you know, all the data is there. I don't want my, all my work and all my credentials and all my, you know, everything to be thrown out off of technicality. And yeah. I think that's where it's dangerous, where you were talking about too, because like, just because someone doesn't have CSCS does not mean that they are not a qualified strength coach. Do they not meet the, the minimum qualification for that job? Right. Yes. Yeah, sure. But yeah. does that not make them a strength coach? No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I'm the same way. Eventually, I'll take it again. Praying that I pass. If not, that's okay. I'm still going to show up to work the next day. Uh, luckily for me, I have my own facility where nobody can fire me for not having a certain credential. Um, but I do take it very seriously. That's why I post the things I post. That's why I, you know, try to reach out to the people that I'm able to to talk with and network with to help myself grow as a strength coach, right? Regardless of whatever credential I have behind my name, I do want to make sure I am, you know, not just qualified you know, on a piece of paper, I want to be actually qualified. I'm not saying that those that have the paper aren't. Obviously, they do have, you know, that that uh, aspect of qualification, right? But I want to make sure I'm able to take whatever, because it's essentially the same information wherever you get it from. Again, there's only so many things the human athletic body can do, right? Obviously, we can approve those things. We can vary those things. But at the end of the day, it's the same stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, how how you receive it, how you implement it, uh, how you're questioned about it, uh, if we're talking about it best. Um, but I want to make sure that I, the, the main thing that I'm focused on as a strength coach and that I believe that we should all be focused on as a strength and conditioning coach is can I apply the knowledge that I have to a specific athlete and or team and not get them hurt, help them get a little bit better as time goes on and make sure they're having a, a fairly good time, right? It's not a whole lot else I can control, you know? Obviously, I want to make sure they turn into a decent person, whatever that means. Um, but as far as the actual application of exercise science, human performance, whatever it may be, um, can I keep them relatively healthy? Can I help them improve their abilities? And can they not hate me every time they see? Me? That's really all I can control. Whether I pass the test or not, that's on me, right? And that's on you know my ability to focus uh, on one thing. That's my that's my uh, understanding of how things are worded, which is a whole separate issue. But, um, you know, can, can I take information that is, you know, almost general in a sense? Can I take this information and apply it in the way that it needs to be applied safely and effectively? That's really, that's our job, you know? It, when, you, when it boils down to it, can we make athletes a little bit healthier and better at what it is they want to do? Yeah, and... It goes back to a quote from Gary Schofield. It says, do no harm. 
you know that that's a essential part of our job you know you yeah. cannot be sitting here herd kids and making right. them do 300 400 push-ups and then you got these you know lasting effects on some of these kids or you know running 110s and you're seeing little Jimmy about to pass out, and you're just like, uh, in the name of mental toughness, we're running another one. You know, just like, just stuff like that, man. Like, you yeah. got, yeah. I think strength and conditioning is also a little bit of common sense. Like, there's, you got to have a little bit of common sense. I ain't saying you got to know, you know, everything in the book, but, I mean, if you yeah. see, you yeah. know, someone, some kid, 15-year-old kid, 300 pounds, and you're running 110s, He's probably going to gas out <laughs> before right. all the other kids. Right. Like right. it's, you know, you got to have a lot of common sense, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, and empathy, common sense and empathy, right? We always talk about how, you know, that there are coaches still out there that program things because this is what they did in high school. Okay. Do you remember how you felt when you did it in high school? Like you didn't feel great. You you, it was hard for you to breathe if you were cramping up. Like, obviously, you want to push performance, but at what cost are we doing? Right. I, I like, I like Mike Boyle's um, orthopedic cost. I like that terminology, right? Is, is what we're doing, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's like my new favorite saying. I'd say it sometimes when it doesn't even make sense, but is what we're doing or, or is what we're programming and asking kids to do or, or adults even? Um, is that worth what the end result should or could be, right? Is, you know, is the the 100-yard bear crawls, is that going to make them better? Is it going to make them more mentally tough? Is it going to get the result that you want? If not, we probably shouldn't do it. Regardless of what led up to it, it's probably not even worth spending time on. And so when we, again, going back to the, the and it's, it's mostly the, I don't want to say mostly, but a lot of the reported ones are in the, the college realm where these football specifically, these deaths keep happening, these increasing rates of injuries keep happening, but they're supposed to be perceived, they're perceived as the most qualified in our field, right? But why do these keep why do things keep happening if they are so qualified, right? Is it because, you know, they are, I don't know, I don't respect it. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, it's common sense, it's empathy, it's accountability, really. I, I do like to think of the idea of, and even if I don't do it myself, I like the idea of coaches doing the workouts that they're programming for their athletes, not with them, um, and not necessarily all of them, but having an idea, again, the empathy, the idea of what is this workout training session, what is this cycle, whatever it is, what is it going to feel like, what will the end result be, what do I, I think it'll be, um, and is going through this going to, one, is it going to allow them to continue going? And is it going to get us near the point that we're aiming for? So I think, you know, the, the empathy, the common sense, um, and the patience. You know what I mean? We're, everybody's trying to rush to – everybody wants to get their kids to squat 500 pounds, bench 400, all this type of stuff. You don't have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can take your time. You can help develop them. You don't have to – 
get them as strong as they possibly can be at 17 years old, 20 years old, unless they're a power lifter, then obviously that's kind of their thing. Um, but you don't necessarily need to push them to reach the end goal so soon, right? Because there are so many, just like, you know, just like children or child rearing, rearing um, there are certain developmental points that should be hit to guarantee or to to assist in the fuller development of what it is we're trying to help develop. And so when we, you know, try to rush things, when we try to do a little more, do a little extra work, all this type of stuff, um, it's not, not, I don't want to say it's not, but is it for the betterment of the athletes that we're working with or for the team that we're working with? So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of other stuff I wanted to say, but. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, I th- I think that that's a good point, and uh, I think I think there's a good uh, way of wrapping up this episode too on that <laughs> point. There, uh, we got one more segment, and then um, yes. we'll go ahead and start wrapping everything up. And um, you know, I won't hold you too much longer. So um, the last thing we have here, I always do it, and it's never changed since you know the first episode. It's a coach's spotlight. You know, highlighting someone that's making a difference in the industry of sport performance, strength and conditioning. So, do you have anyone out there? Yeah, man, this is it's funny because he actually used to live in Virginia. We started talking several years ago. Um, we communicate on on a semi regular basis, I guess. Um, but we've never met in person, and he just moved like eight months ago. So I kind of feel like a never mind. But uh, Danny Foley. Um, Danny Foley is probably one of the smartest people that I know. Again, we've never met in person, but I feel like I know him to some degree. Um, but he's he's one of the guys in strength and conditioning and human performance that I go to regularly. If I have a, I've had uh, conversations with him where I had a question, not just you know on a regular you know here conversation, but actual trying to learn from him. Um, and just the things he posts, I actually started watching one of his webinars the other day, uh, while I was washing dishes, but, um, Dan, Danny Foley is probably, you know, one of the smartest people that I've ever talked to, um, and his understanding and, and growing understanding of the fascial system and how it relates to performance and its importance. Um, and, and as well as just regular neuromuscular function and all of that uh he is the spotlight that i go to and then you know actually one of his uh former co-workers uh tim kelly um so those two guys i really uh wanted to try to try to promote them as much as i can just because they've helped me so much i've had the opportunity to to meet and work out with tim a couple of times but definitely danny foley for sure um and then tim kelly's a close second <laughs> awesome kendall and you always got to have people that you go to, right? Yeah. You, you know, you want talk shop, talk live, talk whatever. You know, you always got to have those people. And it's awesome to For hear, sure. that, you know, different coaches kind of highlight different people of where they go to and, you know, where you know where to get their advice from. You know, that's completely yeah. awesome, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Kendall, I want to thank you again for coming on here and, 
um, you know, bringing bringing the heat to this episode, man, and you know, um, having a pretty heartfelt uh, discussion about you know some of the things that we were seeing in today's time, and especially in the industry of strength conditioning, and you know, bringing light to some um, topics. So. Yeah, yeah, John Burke, I, I greatly appreciate you having me on. I know it's, since when you first asked me to be on, it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate you. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the questions and and the 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 honesty and everything like that. So this is this is awesome. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjuga Chats. Please follow social media platforms at Conjuga Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, follow Kendall on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guides that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free um, the study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjuga Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.